0: And in that moment, when you can stay with your current feeling and not leave yourself, that's where it starts. And that is so hard to do. So instead, the easier thing to do is to stick our hand into a bag of chips over and over and over again until they're gone or we feel sick or we finally come to wondering where the heck we are and what just happened hello and welcome my name is Shelly Simonson I'm a mom of four and a fitness and wellness coach with over two decades in the industry I'm a trauma and cancer survivor living my life now on a mission to help you reclaim your voice stand in your power, and build the confidence to not simply survive this life, but to thrive and create the life you know is waiting for you. It's time to get out of your own way and be her now. Well, hello there. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode nine. I so appreciate you spending your time with me for a little bit today and just tuning in each week. To each new episode. It is such a blessing to me to be able to be doing this and to know that you're here. I f- I'm just trying to imagine my little walk-in closet here full of everybody just having a conversation with you guys and I, I love this outlet and I hope that you're finding it valuable and I just appreciate you giving your time each week to show back up and listen to 20-25 minutes Of these episodes. I'm really excited about today, and I know I say that every week, but truly this week we are going to be going back to my roots, which over the past 20 almost 25 years now have been in the fitness and nutrition industry. So if you don't know my story, uh, I got my start in the fitness world in 1998 teaching group fitness classes, and shortly thereafter became a certified personal trainer, went on to open up a a gym, a CrossFit and personal training studio, and I've taught yoga and Olympic weightlifting and boot camp classes and uh, dance classes. Fitness has just been in my blood, and just like calculating the years this morning, I've I've so, for so long, I've been saying that I've been in the fitness industry for 20 years, and now I'm doing the math and I'm going, it's been 24 years, which is just crazy to me. How is that possible? I don't, I don't know. But back in 1998, when I got certified initially to start teaching group fitness classes, we called them aerobics classes. (laughs) I know some people still do, but, um. That's how long ago it was. And so I have seen it all. I have seen all the gimmicks, all of the diets, all of the programs, all of the fitness equipment, all of the gadgets and gizmos. I have seen it all. And I have worked with hundreds, if not thousands of women over the years who have seen it all, who have done it all, who have come to me at the end of their rope. And I, to be quite frank, have fallen victim myself to the gimmicks and the culture, the diet and the the, the extreme fitness culture through the years. And so my own philosophy has changed as I've learned and as I have grown, and as I have aged myself now, uh, approaching 50 in a couple years. Um, my body doesn't can't do what it used to do. I don't want it to be able to do what it used to do. Um, I've had my thyroid out. So that's a whole host of, of issues. Um, hormones, you know, in your late 40s. Uh, my knees aren't what they used to be. So as I have learned and grown myself, my philosophy in coaching my clients has changed over the years. And I have you know, I mean, so many clients who have seen incredible results, who have seen life-changing transformations, have had breakthroughs in their life when nothing else worked for them before and, and have lost great amounts of weight and have kept it off. And I also have clients who crashed and burned and who have had great results and then gained the weight back or who got started with me with a plan and um, fell off the wagon, so to speak. And what I have learned over the years is that I, I can do my best to meet somebody where they are But there's a lot that's not within my scope of practice to help women with. The psychological, the mental, the emotional aspects and vulnerability behind our weight and, and our relationship with food is so intricate and so complex. And I can't pretend to show up as a therapist or a nutritionist. I just know what I've learned and what has worked for me and what I've seen work for so many women. And, and that's how I teach and that's how I coach. And for some women that sticks and for some it doesn't. And what I've learned over the years in two plus decades of doing this is that having had people literally max out their credit cards to, to train with me, um, also having had clients who I've worked with just virtually and had a 30-minute Zoom call once a week with, who've seen incredible results. And having run the full spectrum of, of coaching, the ones who truly get the very best results and who see that breakthrough are the ones who address their relationship with food. That is the key and that is where so many people get stuck, because we see the ads, we see the before and afters, we see the quick fix promises, we see the thirty pounds in thirty days, we see the um, you know money back guarantees, and you've never tried this before, and this will be the last thing you ever try, and and uh, don't give up your favorite foods, and eat all the things, eat 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 all your favorite things. And, you know, you don't have to work out. And all the things that women who are desperate fall for. Women who are at the end of their ropes, who have tried everything, who are desperate, will pay the money for that next promise. And when, when, when I really um, took the time to really look at the difference in the women who were successful and have kept their weight off sustainably long term versus the women who either had a really hard time getting started and didn't didn't really take off, or they um, did get started, fell off the wagon, or maybe they did lose the weight and then gained it all back. What I have learned is distinct, Uh, characteristics of those who have been successful and have kept their weight off long term. And we're just going to, we're just going to touch the tip of the iceberg on a little bit of that today, as it relates to relationship with food. And I I want to be very sensitive about this. And I want to be very careful, because I am not a therapist. And when it comes to talking about that deep deep place that our relationship with food stems from um you know that that like I can help you there but there's so much internal work that needs to be done oftentimes probably with a a counselor um a lot of stillness with yourself and self self self-searching and self-reflection but My whole uh, idea for today's episode came about in a uh, coaching call with one of my clients and she had been doing really well and uh, was steadily losing weight, Um, not fast and furious, but she was losing weight slowly and steadily without a major shakeup in her routine and she was changing her relationship every single day with food and she asked me one day on a call a question that i'd never been asked before and i thought it was so profound that that's where i want i want to dive in today and so she asked how do you adjust to not using food as your source of joy when for so long when for your whole life food has been where you have turned for joy. Wow. And so uh, there's a lot that goes into that. And so as I started, and you know, we talked about it, and as I started thinking more about it, and even like after that call, as I thought more about it, you know, the first thing that I want to say is that we need to acknowledge that our, we, act, we have an actual relationship with food just as we do with people. So it's weird to think of it that way. I get that. But when you think of food as um, something that you are faced with at all times of the day, um, emotions that you have surrounding food, how food makes you feel, how you feel about food, Food is your companion. Food is there for you. If you're going through hard times, food can make them easier. If you're celebrating happy times, food is there. When you're lonely, food will be there to keep you company. It doesn't judge. It doesn't ask questions. It doesn't talk back or complain. It doesn't run out. Well, geez, when you put it that way, it might sound like food is the perfect companion, but we know that it's not. And we know that so many of us struggle with that tumultuous relationship with food. And it's, it can be a prison for some people. And so when you think about where your relationship with food might have formed, and if you go back, as far as you can remember, you're gonna really see signs of Um, different things that went on in your home, maybe the way for a lot of women, it's the way that we saw our mothers eat, or the way that we saw them talk about themselves or look at themselves in the mirror and the things that they would say to themselves or the things that they would say to us while we were eating. If food was scarce in your family, then you probably grew up believing that you needed to take more than you needed in order to survive. And that could have followed you your whole life. If you were taught to clean your plate before you could get up from the table, you were teaching your body to disregard the signs that you were full. Maybe certain food groups were restricted in your house. Maybe you grew up in a really strict house where treats weren't allowed. Maybe there was trauma or abuse and you have used food as your way to regain some semblance of control. That's very common. So basically, we have grown to use food as a drug to cope, as a coping mechanism, the same way that addicts would use drugs or alcohol. The thing about food is that you can't quit food. You have to eat. And you're faced with your food choices multiple times a day and and your food thoughts a million times a day. And so you can't just quit. You can't break up with food. So that is just why it's so crucial to learn about the intricacies of your relationship with food. I have a questionnaire that I have um my new potential clients fill out when we are getting started working together. And some of the questions that I ask them, I really want to get a good idea of of what their relationship with food looks like today, because I know that I can give them the very best fitness program, and I can prescribe the very best supplements, and I can be there for them and hold them accountable to their program and coach them. But I'm not there living in their house. I'm not there every opportunity they have to eat. And so knowing some of these questions helps me to understand uh, and to be able to meet them where they are. And I really consider these, in case you are unaware whether or not you have... um, an unhealthy relationship with food, which you are probably sitting here going, yeah, Shelly, duh, I know I have an unhealthy relationship with food. It's, you know, it's, it's probably the longest relationship you've had your whole life besides your mother who gave birth to you. First thing you did was eat, right? And so from that point on, we knew that we could cry when we were hungry, and we were fed. And so today, in your 20s 30s 40s 50s that's a long time that a relationship has had to develop so anyway here are some of 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 the questions on my questionnaire and I encourage you to ask yourself these things do you eat differently when you're alone versus when you're with others do you sneak or hide food do you often eat beyond fullness Do you think about food at least once every 30 minutes? Do you struggle with chronic yo-yo dieting? Do you avoid social situations due to negative feelings or even physical pain from overeating? And do you obsessively calculate calories burned against calories eaten? And I think if you answered yes to, to a couple of those, which probably looking at some of these, I can say, yeah, sometimes that's me. Yeah, sometimes I, sure, sometimes I'll eat beyond fullness if it's a really good plate of pasta or something that's, yeah, I'm just going to keep eating it. Yeah. Um, But if you're answering yes to a few of these, um, you would know actually before you even answered this questionnaire, whether you had an unhealthy relationship with food, but know that you can change that. And it's not the dieting industry that's going to help you do it. I feel so deep in my heart, like the feeling in my body right now is I just want to give you a big old hug and, and just tell you to quit trying all the things. Quit spending any more money. Quit punishing yourself quit saying it's one more thing just one last thing and then once I have it figured out and once I lose the weight then I'll be able to maintain because I really believe that ending your obsession if you will with food comes down to your ability to stay present in the moment rather than reaching for food And on last week's episode on habits, I talked about that a little bit about a trigger. It was my baby crying and I would hear this high-pitched squeal and I would go straight to the pantry for carbs. I'd reach into a bag of chips or crackers. It was a reflex. That was a powerful moment for me where I went, something in me feels uncomfortable right now with my baby crying. I need food to shut it up not shut the baby up shut up my my, my my body screaming out in pain for wanting to stop my baby's pain and I reached for carbs and in that moment when you can stay with your current feeling and not leave yourself that's where it starts and that is so hard to do so instead The easier thing to do is to stick our hand into a bag of chips over and over and over again until they're gone, or we feel sick, or we finally come to wondering where the heck we are and what just happened. We're afraid of feeling the feeling. When you think about feeling the feeling, we're afraid of that feeling. We think that the feeling is going to be scary, we think it's going to be unbearable. If we didn't, if we weren't afraid of that feeling, we wouldn't feel the need to avoid the feeling and turn to food to avoid the feeling. But when you don't allow yourself to use food to push down those emotions, but instead you allow yourself to feel the feeling, only then will you even know If being alone makes you feel lonely, or if being quiet feels unbearable, only then will you know if the the pain of hearing your baby cry will physically cause you to vomit or to collapse on the floor. I'm being a little bit dramatic because what's going to happen when we feel when we allow our bodies to just feel the feeling? And this is where we're going to pause on this episode. I'm going to split this into two parts, so be sure to come back next week for part two of our discussion about our relationship with food. I have so much more that I want to share, and we are just getting started. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're loving what you're hearing and you know somebody who could benefit from this episode, please spread the love and share this with them. And I would be so grateful if you could take a moment to write a quick review wherever you're listening your feedback really matters to me. And don't forget to tag me on social media at Shelly Simmonson Fitness on Instagram and share your favorite takeaway. Learn more about how you can get in touch with me in the show notes. See you next time.